Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 79. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And today is Tuesday, which means it's time for our favorite segment, Rick, Pop or Drop, where we highlight some of the top performances from last week's college games. And man, there were a lot. And there's also the Pop or Drop Pro Edition, which is a fancy way of saying we're ranking our top five NFL rookie performances, too. And of course... No rookie conversation would be complete without looking at the three first-round quarterbacks, so we'll do that too. Rick, uh, I was complaining before the podcast. I'm going to get your your number on this. Debo gives us a lot of homework over the weekend. How many hours did you spend preparing for this podcast? Probably five. Okay, that's low. I worked harder than that. So you're smarter than me. You have a little more experience. I man, I was I, I haven't been this busy since like high school preparing for the. I didn't prepare for the SATs. Last time I studied, I don't remember that when that was. Let me put it to you that way. <laughs> so JMU must, must not have been that hard to get a degree from. Did you have to go all the way back to high school to say that you work this hard? Wait, did you say I went to JMU? Or wherever you went. It's all the same. An East Coast school in Virginia area. Oh, that's all right. Close enough. Debo, meanwhile, the college guy doesn't know where his co-host went to college. <laughs> I went to college with a little guy I'm named. Married, right? There you go. William Mary, Mike Tomlin, and of course, Sean McDermott. Two young men who had very rough weekends. Uh, we won't talk about their performances because uh, they don't have any rookies on that squad. But the JMU is a little jab at Bill and Mary alum. Yeah, no, it, it is because uh, William Mary is obviously the better school. And, and quickly, do you, William Mary is the second oldest school in the country, 1693 after only which college? Speaking of numbers, you didn't announce that there's only 226 days until the NFL draft. <laughs> uh, the answer, of course, is Harvard. You just neglected to answer the question. All right, Rick, let's keep this, this train going. We've got a lot to do here. Um, let me ask you this. What was your lasting memory from last weekend's chock fullness of football? Was it uh, the way Monday Night Football began and end, ended? Was it your Detroit Lions balling out in the first game of the season and a great win? Over Kansas City, or was it even Shadur Sanders in his continuing ascent as a fantastic football player who has a long future ahead of him? It's it's overload because it really like, is. Every time you see something, wow, that's phenomenal, and then or that's fascinating, or I can't believe that, and then something tops that, and then something tops that on the college side, and Texas going into Alabama and doing what oh, they, oh yeah, that and, too. <laughs> yeah. That's why football, NFL college is the number one sport is because of all of the excitement, all of the unpredictability that happens week in and week out. And I, I you know, maybe they should blow up that stadium, uh, MetLife stadium in New York. I mean, mm. the track got blown out on Sunday night. First goes down after four offensive snaps. That is a, uh, they need to get someone there to take the, curse or the jinx off of that stadium the way it went this weekend yeah uh, absolutely they need some major league uh jabu wins 
anti-jinx medicine for sure. Another performance, of course, is Tua Tagovailoa balled out. Ugh. And uh, let me ask you this quickly, and then we'll get to some other NFL quarterback news. Right now, Joe Burrow makes $55 million a year on average. He's the highest paid player on planet Earth, and at least in the NFL. You have to pay Tua more than 55 or are you concerned about the injuries? No, I'm still concerned about the injuries, but if Tua plays like he did this past Sunday, and it was great to see him and Herbert go, because that, to me, was one of the most exciting games oh, of yeah. the by far. Absolutely. Yep. Not from a defensive standpoint. Nope. <laughs> from two quarterbacks, and everybody throws roses at uh, Herbert's feet, but I think Tua deserves some few rose petals as well, the way he played and what he's done. Uh, in Miami, if he can stay healthy. Man, some of those throws, both those guys, but some of the throws down the stretch from Tua just took your breath away. And you talked about this over the summer on the podcast where you mentioned it being down there watching him in training camp, and, and the ball gets out of his hands so quickly. It's among the quickest, certainly in the in the league right now. Maybe some is, is it one of the quickest releases you've seen in a while? Well, a lot of it has to do with that style of offense and the timing and how quick. And even we saw the – uh, how much better Tua was in this offense. And then we've seen it during minicamp. We've seen it during the training camp that the ball is even coming out quicker, quicker because he doesn't have to think. And the timing he has now with Waddle, with uh, Tyreek Hill, it's incredible to watch. And some of the throws that he made in that game, it's all timing. And it's all trusting that the receiver will be there where the ball is going. And not to give you a little tease, but <laughs> that is why some of these rookie quarterbacks, we'll discuss later in the show, struggled the first week. Yep, that's right. By the way, if you missed it last week, Rick and I made our Rookie of the Year predictions. Check that out to see if we got off to a good start. Uh, I don't remember your picks. I remember my picks. I'm batting a 1,000. Yeah, well, Jameer or uh, B. John Robinson was a given. I gave you the low-hanging fruit since you've been getting your arse kicked every week. <laughs> hey, man. You have. That had to give you that one. Thank you. Uh, but I would say this. I, you know, who we named, I think all of them had, had, had performed well. I think I went with, if I recall, Jack Campbell, who he needs to play more snaps because he had an yeah. impact. He did have an impact for sure. Uh, and I think that, and Jameer Gibbs had an impact. Didn't play a lot either. <laughs> but, but that's going to change. I, yeah. can, I can from, I believe that he will get more touches because of how explosive of a playmaker he is. But I think we went with Jack Campbell was my defensive rookie of the year. And my offensive rookie year was Addison, who actually had a pretty good game himself. Had the yeah. first touchdown catch and. Deep touchdown throw. I, I was watching that. You, you saw it too. But uh, I don't know what was going on with the coverage there. But Kirk Cousins saw what to do, threw a bomb, and it was an easy easy catch for Jordan Addison. Um, and if I was betting and I would have put a dollar, we'll see. I could have won $2,200, right? Because it's 2200 plus $2,200. I think it's $22,000. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it might be $2.2 million. We'll do the math. <laughs> because, Debo, if there's anything Rick needs, it's more money. All right. Later, uh, and later this week, Rick, hold on to your toupee. Because it's mock draft time. This oh, is I can't wait. <laughs> this is our first mock draft since just after the 2023 NFL draft back in early May. And it's sure to be the first of millions to come over the next, uh, what's that? 226 days. days. You got it, baby. All right. Finally, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a prospect's name, we'll evaluate that player in an upcoming show. We've gotten a ton of responses. Love the idea, Debo. Keep them coming. And by the way, we're going to do our first evaluation on today's show. So five-star review. Let's clarify something, Ryan. 
Yeah, please. It has to be attached to a five star rating. You can't be giving us one or two or three or four stars. It has to be a five star rating, and we promise to review. We will definitely get through them if they're five stars for sure. Um, I think- Can I tell you a quick story? Yeah, of course. I ran into Debo Sunday over at the uh, CBS headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, and he was trying to show me how to do the five-star review on my phone. Oh, God. Which was about a 15-minute conversation that I just said, never mind, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Down the Wait road. a second. You already have the podcast app built into the phone. All you do is type in with the I- first... I know, but I had to try to w- type in with the first pick, and I couldn't yeah. find with the first pick because I wasn't on the internet. And then it was, <laughs> and I had to take off the internet because it's like Fort Knox on the internet in the headquarters. And I had to go to cellular service, and that was taking too long. And then I went, and then I was like, I, I was like, this is so hard. It's even harder than trying to put Paramount Plus on your TV. Debo, this was a man who ran the, the Vikings for over 10 years. I had peoples. <laughs> he had peoples. <laughs> if you had to guess, Ryan, and you, you've been around him, how do you think like Rick types on his phone? Actually, we I remember sitting at, we had lunch after the Will Levis Pro Day at the counter there at that hipster restaurant. Had a good lunch, and I was showing him how to tweet. Are you a hunt and pecker on the keyboard? Yeah, I, I am a hunt and pecker on the yeah. keyboard. It took us a minute to get that tweet out. We were talking about the prospects. So that's my lasting memory. That and Rick actually finally had some good coffee. So Devo just threw up his hands and walked away is what I'm understanding. It was a very frustrating 15 minutes (laughs) together. (laughs) So listen, it might take you 15 minutes. Am I that bad? Really? It wasn't your best effort, but (laughs) this is a team. We're going to work together through all this. Paramount Plus, finding the podcast app. It's a work in progress. Yeah, so we we help you with the technological stuff, and you you uh, you're the comp guy because apparently my comps aren't up to snuff. Yeah, everybody has a role in response uh, in this podcast here, and apparently my role is not IT. In fact, IT used to call me down. Please try to break this after they built this code or whatever. The I don't know how many times I went down there and pushed like three buttons and the whole thing blew up. I didn't even know what I was pushing. <laughs> You're like Homer Simpson, the nuclear plant. You're just uh, <laughs> falling on buttons and blowing things up. All right. That sounds about right. All right, Rick, let's get to it. We got a lot to cover. Good Lord. Woo wee. All right. Let's start back at MetLife Stadium and just get your reaction as a former NFL general manager with more than 30 years of experience, including the last decade in Minnesota, of course. Man, oh man, what are you doing four plays in when Aaron Rodgers goes down and you're Joe Douglas? I, I wish I can put in the words, the sick feeling you have in your gut and the tingling that goes through your body after you just spent the whole offseason building this roster up, making a trade for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, everything's in place to make a Super Bowl run. And within four plays, it just vanishes. Now, Give them credit. Last night they did a phenomenal job, uh, still beating the Buffalo Bills. And you know, not that we're going to get into veteran quarterbacks, but Josh Allen did not play very well to say the least last night. Probably cost them the game. And I think going forward, uh, once you get over that initial shock wave that goes through your body, uh, again, a tribute to the New York Jets and finding a way after trying to deal with that emotional loss uh, to find a way to still win that ball game last night in overtime, you know, by uh, the uh, 
walk-off punt return for a touchdown. So, But there's a lot going on today, and more time than I have for this podcast on what part <laughs> is going forward. But uh, it'll be interesting to see because you have to look whether any of these street guys out there, you're going to probably bring them in for workouts, a la Carson Wentz or maybe a Colt McCoy as a backup. But do you go after a trade? How much are you willing to give up on a trade? Because the price of tea is very expensive this time of year. Price of tea? Is that what you said? Yeah. We used uh, to say the price of poker just went up. Yeah. The, yeah. So it's amazing how uh, supply and demand are different during different times of the year. And well, let me let me ask you about that. Go ahead. Yeah, that I want to make a point is the New York Jets did everything to get that roster. They got a championship caliber defense. They got mm -hmm. a perennial Pro Bowl receiver. They added Dalvin Cook to go along, and Brees Hall looked like he was back rolling again. Yes, the hole in this roster, and we've talked about this, is the offensive tackle position. And if you look last night, the oldest offensive tackle in the league got the oldest quarterback in the league out probably for the year with an Achilles tendon tear. Yeah, and Makai Becton had some issues early on. I didn't watch him closely throughout the game, so hopefully he got better. But at, at this point, it doesn't matter for Aaron Rodgers' purposes. As Debo just put on the screen, if you're listening to the audio version, uh, the Jets have have made it uh, have tweeted out that um, Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. So the Achilles tear is a complete tear. Not great. And no. you talked about the quarterback situation in terms of the backup. Zach Wilson's there. There's no other quarterback on the roster unless I'm missing one. Uh, they have uh, is Boyle on their practice squad. Let's see. Practice squad. They have Tim Boyle. Yep. Yes, indeed. So he's on the practice squad in terms of the active roster last night. Just two quarterbacks. Zach Wilson obviously came in. You talked about uh, Debo's guy, Carson Wentz, which is funny because Debo's still propping him up and Colt McCoy. And what else? Well, if you're going, you're going to go down through the team's practice squads, you're going to go on potential trades. Um, and do you go, let's go to, for example, Debo's Philadelphia Eagles. Do you move Marcus Mariota because of the way McKee played in the preseason? Um, but to me, it's quite evident that whoever you go after, and if I was in that situation and you're asking yourself a thousand questions, do they have to be familiar with the system? Does it have to be uh, a veteran or can you go after a young guy? Is Zach Wilson our, 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 uh, is going to have to be our starting quarterback going forward? So we're going to have to tailor a game plan that fits him, which is probably different than what they had a game plan going in last night to fit Aaron Rodgers. But the number one priority for me is that quarterback better have some mobility because a quarterback that is going to be a statue in a pocket with those offensive tackles, in my opinion, are, uh, uh, and they have to play, are going to have some issues. Okay, I'm going to ask you two questions. The first question is, tell me which of these quarterbacks you would want. And we can throw in Carson Wentz, who has some mobility. Colt McCoy can run around a little bit. But some other names that have been thrown out there, uh, Mitch Trubisky, Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota, Taylor Heineke, they all started last year for their previous teams. I don't know what the price of poker is in terms of trading for those guys. Any of those guys interest you more than the others if you're looking for a starter slash backup? Yeah, that's what you're doing right now. You're doing a deep dive into all those quarterbacks, and you're having the conversations with the ownership. You're having a conversation with the head coach, with the offensive coordinator. Identify what we have to go get going forward because without 
you have to you have to know what you want to go get and then do all the tape work on them have the coaches look at them and then let's do whatever we have to do because we have a very good football team and this was the same situation we were in with Teddy Bridgewater back in 2017 that's my next question and we wanted to go because of the football team that we had in place um, that we went oh, very aggressive to go get Sam Bradford. So the New York Jets, I think, have a championship caliber defense. They have the weapons that we talked about earlier in the show. Um, the offensive tackles are an issue, and they've been an issue, and we've talked about them numerous times throughout training camp. But identify whether it's a trade, whether it's one of those guys, or whether it's a practice squad guy, um, and then go do what you have to do uh, because of where your football team is right now. If you were, let's say, for example, the Arizona Cardinals, you may not be as aggressive because their roster may not be in the same place right, right now that the New York Jets are in. Although they played with a little heart in that game in Washington as well. So just quickly, let's talk about the Teddy Bridgewater thing. That happened before the twenty seven, no, 2016 season, I believe. Right. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So you had a few weeks before the start of the season, so slightly better situation in terms of restocking the roster, but not a great situation because Teddy Petty was going to be your guy. Tell me this. So you went out and you traded at least a first-round pick for Sam Bradford, and how many times did other GMs laugh at your original trade proposal because they knew they had you over a barrel? Well, I wouldn't say laugh. I would say chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> because you are literally – in the water, swimming with sharks around you, and you desperately need to get out of the water. And it's the same. It's the question. Oh, feel so bad for you. <laughs> well, are you willing to move this guy? Yeah. Well, what's the price? What? It's like it's it's like it's amazing. It's you have friends in this business, and you have a, a close. We're pretty close knit circle. The GMs. Uh, because everybody knows everybody and you've done business with everybody for such a long time. But it's amazing when the I feel bad for you as a friend, but now I put on my business house. This is what hat. This is what's going to cost you. So but you would do the same thing if the tables were turned, though. You can't give your friend a break for the sake no. of right. no, because you're competing against them. Right. Absolutely. So whatever happens here outside of the organization is probably going to cost the Jets a little money. There is one upside. And, and I mean, it's the dimmest of glimmers, if you will. Um, when the Jets and the, the Packers made this trade uh, back in April, it stipulated the Jets would send a 2024 second round pick to the Packers if Rodgers played fewer than 65% of the snaps. Otherwise, they've been a first round pick. So in that sense, the Jets don't have to give up their 2024 first round pick. They still have that. And it looks like the Packers will now get the, the second round pick which is the, the Packers, you know, whatever, they'll take it. But I think in that sense, at least there's a first rounder still in the Jets' future. And look, man, they may be taking a quarterback. They, yeah, they may have to. So, all right, that's that. Crazy Town, USA, if you're the Jets. Great win for the Jets. You talked about Josh Allen. He actually did say after the game he was the reason they lost that game, and I think everyone that was watching would agree with that. But uh, a lot of football left, as I say, Rick. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. And look at our top, or excuse me, our popper drops from the college football weekend. All right, Rick, going to Colorado. I mean, we said that exactly zero times last year, and we have been talking up the buffs this year for obvious reasons. Week one, they shredded TCU. They didn't shred TCU, but they won that game down uh, in Texas. Last Saturday, they were in, uh, against facing Nebraska home opener. And at what point 
are we just going to say that Shader Sanders might be one of the best players in college football to the point where he he might end up as a top 32-ish pick? I mean, he keeps balling out. He had he faced a lot more pressure this week against Nebraska. Nebraska's defense gets a lot of credit, no doubt about that. Um, but I thought Shador remained poised in the pocket. The only, not the only, one of the issues I have with him is that sometimes he tries to extend plays and I would just like him to throw the ball away, but that's an easy fix. He's not, he doesn't put ball the ball in danger's way. Uh, when he needs to step on one, he can throw into tight windows down the field, 15, 20, 25 yards. And his deep ball is typically finds the, the intended target as they're running past people. Where, where are you on Shador in week two? Pop, pop, pop. keep popping him. Man. He played good again this week. Uh, if I had to pick apart some things, I didn't think he was as effective in the first half because yeah. of the pressures that Nebraska was bringing him. Uh, he has a tendency to hold the ball. And when you get to the NFL, and we're seeing it with these rookie quarterbacks, because you could have said the same thing about Bryce and about CJ. Anthony Richardson didn't hold the ball. He just ran. But <laughs> you can't do that in the NFL the way some of these guys hold the ball, waiting for guys to come open. The only other maybe small criticism – I don't think he is an elite athlete as far as a scrambler, but there right. are, and he is a look to throw first before he runs. Uh, but there are times where I think that he can make some more plays with his legs. Yeah. And he actually showed me a little more athleticism than I'd seen previously, just because he hadn't done it. He can run a little bit in straight lines. He's not going to, to your point, he's not Anthony Richardson in space, but he's also not Tom Brady. No. No, he, he he has enough mobility to buy a second chance. I don't think he's going to be a legitimate scramble threat, but he does have enough athleticism to make probably more plays uh, when he's on the move instead of sitting there trying to hold the ball, hold the ball, though I give him credit for wanting to be a thrower first. Yeah. He does a great job keeping his eyes downfield. Yeah, 31-42, 393 yards, two touchdowns and a rush touchdown. And um, he does a good job of, of – Staying in the pocket, not drifting in the pocket, uh, to your point, trying to find targets before he uh, ends up escaping and, and, and on rare occasions running or, you know, running around the backfield, which I don't like it, but whatever. To your point, Bryce did that. And I thought the second, the two point conversion they had in the second half was a fantastic play. He rolled right, uh, threw back across his body. The receiver made a great catch in the end zone and um, they stuck it to Nebraska. By the way, Nebraska and, and Jeff Sims, great athlete, the quarterback. You, you can't win football games when you turn the ball over. You can't catch a snap on, on a shotgun snap. When you fumble, silly fumbles. But that's a conversation for another time. That was frustrating to watch, I'm sure, for Matt Rule. But um, he can't, great. They did the same thing in the Minnesota game. Same thing in the Minnesota game. The game. And had the two interceptions by our guy, Tyler Newbin, who was uh, one of the viewers – Listeners requested uh, we watch him. I think we both have, so we'll get to him at some point, too. He had a good first game yeah, uh, against Nebraska, for sure. All right. Pop, pop, Debo for Shador. This has been a recurring theme. Is he? Uh, he's, he's definitely for me. He's top 50. He's, I think he's the third quarterback for me. Right? Yeah. I, I'm not. I, I'm just close for me. But let me ask you this. He's a top 50 player, right? The one thing that I will say as we watch all these quarterbacks that after the first two, there is going to be a mad scramble through the season because there's about seven of them. Yes. It's going to be a deep quarterback class, but there's about seven of them that are going to be fighting for who's the third quarterback off the board by the time we get to the draft in 226 days. That's right. So you got to answer the question. Is he a top 50 guy right now? Yes. 
I think so, man. It's hard not. I don't know what the argument would be that he's not. No, not the now, way he's playing right now. But we got some, like I said, the big win at TCU. But we got a whole season ahead of us. But after week two, he's in the top fifty, and I think he's a first rounder right now. Oh, oh, listen, clip it, Debo. So I think this weekend they're playing Colorado State late. Uh, I'll watch that game. Whenever I'm playing Earth, that I think I'll be watching a Colorado Colorado State game at ten thirty. But I, I probably will watch that. And then they have. Oregon coming up and they have USC coming up. So we'll, we'll learn something. We'll all learn something together. All right. Next up. This is going to sound crazy. <laughs> I think Debo just flushed the toilet. I think, uh, I think Quinn Ewers, I have him ranked a whisker higher than Shador right now. That could change, but Quinn, slow Bryce. Quarterback. You got, what'd you say? The eighth. Rating? No, a, a whisker higher than Shador in oh, terms okay. of my rankings. Okay. Yeah, they're they're neck and neck. Obviously, I, I, Shador has balled out stats wise better than than um, Quinn, but Quinn slow start against Rice, played better in the second half, and then Alabama. He was pretending like it was Alabama twenty twenty two before he got hurt. Tell me what was wrong with that performance from Quinn Ewers? Nothing. <laughs> Man, he popped. Yeah, so impressive. The the thing that popped, I mean, the accuracy. Uh, he's not as athletic, I don't think, as Sanders, but he's a good enough athlete. The accuracy at all levels of the field, um, and to go on national TV to be in the uh, as uh, uh, in the spotlight that night, and to go into Alabama, which I can attest is a very very difficult place to play in, and to perform like he performed, uh, he really. Uh, put a made a statement game, and now I'm just anxious to see if he can carry that through because he made a statement game in Texas before he got hurt. Yep, thought it was going to be a statement game, but when he came back after he was hurt, he wasn't the same quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, but if he can take what he did this past Saturday night and continue on the way he played, then He's going to be uh, climbing up a lot of draft boards as well. Everybody's waiting to see uh, what's next. What's next? That's right. 24 38 for 349 yards, uh, three touchdowns against that uh, high powered Alabama defense. Uh, I made some notes here. Consistently throws with anticipation, which to your point is what you want at the next level. And he wore out the defenses on those second level layer throws, as I like to call them. Uh, puts the ball in, in position for his wide receivers to make plays and makes it tough for the, the defensive backs to get a hand on it. And he lost 20 pounds and not the athlete of Shador, as you mentioned, but he can run with some straight line getaway speed if you need to up the middle of the field on a third and eight and, you know, whatever. But so I think the athleticism is good enough. Kirk Cousins level athleticism, um, but not the best arm in, in the country. But man, those deep ball throws are on the money each and every time. And Xavier Worthy and Sanders, Jatavian Sanders, my guy, not your guy. They were they were wearing out that defense. Yeah, uh, touch and timing, and he showed that on full display. Uh, the only thing the negative was he had uh, Worthy deep on one, and he kind of underthrew him early in the game. Yep. Uh, but for the most part, when he can get the ball out on time, uh, it's it's he's a great touch and timing type thrower. So Debo has this graphic up if you're listening on the uh, audio version. Three of the last five starting quarterbacks to win at Alabama went on to win the Heisman that season. So for me, we're talking second round or better right now for Quinn. Yes, and if he continues, he'll be a first rounder. All right. Not so, yet, but he's tr he's moving in that direction. The arrow is pointing up, as Mike Tomlin likes to say. Uh, 
Debo has a request. Let's rank the Texas prospects here. So we have Quinn Ewers. Xavier Worthy gets better in each and every time I watch him. Undersized, I think he weighed unofficially 166 before the season, but he's running past people, and he has a little – this is the first name that popped in my head, and you can laugh and correct me, but he has a little Deshaun Jackson in this game that he gets behind the defense with, with deep speed. Yeah, he. My, my comp was Jordan Addison. Oh, all right. We're not, not far apart. No. The difference is that Worthy had uh, two drops that bothered me. He dropped yeah. a touchdown, and I think he had another opportunity where he uh, dropped one. Um, but I do see the separation speed, and you've seen the separation speed. And we'll talk about Kool-Aid uh, on that little flat route in the red zone where it was a great throw by yours, but uh, he has to make that catch. And then the other one was the underthrown deep ball. But one thing now say for a skinny kid – <laughs> or a skinny receiver. Yeah. On third and four, there was a great play where they threw to him along the sideline, and he spun out of a tackle and got a first down that kept the clock moving late in the game. Yeah, I actually wrote down place bigger than his size. His good t- contact balance will bounce off tacklers if they don't wrap him up. And that goes to your point. He he certainly sort of like Devonta Smith. Devonta Smith weighs 125 pounds. He certainly plays bigger than that. Different players, but uh, the point being that even though Xavier Worthy doesn't weigh a lot on the scale, I think he plays a little stronger than that. Five receptions, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Um, he, for me, is a top 50 guy. Like I, I thought maybe a, a late day two guy coming into the season, but um, you mentioned the drops, but I think those are, I don't want to say fixable, but I, I, I feel okay about those if I'm drafting him on day two. Yeah, yeah. right now I see him as a Friday guy, second rounder. All right, my guy, Jadavian Sanders, five receptions, 114 yards. Back-to-back weeks, he had a long reception that just outran everyone to the end zone. I mean, I give him credit for trying to block people. Oh, my God. He's just not there yet. (laughs) 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 But he's he's in the way, but he's not doing the job that a tight end. Turner did to him, and Dallas Turner was late getting across the formation to line up. It threw him out of the bar. Oh, boy. But uh, in terms of down the field – I, I like him as a, as a target. He's an athletic tight end. He's not Kyle Pitts athletic, but he's uh, maybe a little below Evan Ingram athletic. Um, he's not Kincaid athletic. He's not Musgrave athletic. Uh, I, I'll put him a hair below Kincaid. I don't think he's that. There's not a big difference, I don't think. Do you? Yes. Okay. I don't know why you're down on him. All right, so if you're ranking these prospects. I mean, he made some catches. He made big plays. He's. I give him – Credit. I didn't think he was as athletic as he's showing this year. So I was, okay. I was a little down on him from that standpoint. You're coming around. His run after catch is better than I anticipated. I thought he's doing more with the ball in his hands than he did last year. But God, the blocking, that has to definitely improve. Man, just put him in the slot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he's a, I like him, like round two feels about right for me. Is that too rich for you? Yeah, I, I, I think he's a Friday guy. If he can, okay. go, I'm okay with that. And if you're ranking these guys, you're going Ewers, Worthy, and then Sanders. If we're ranking the Texas players, yes. Okay. All right. Not pop, too far apart. Pop, 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 pop Debo. Got pops for a guy. I'll update our list and maybe I'll show it uh, on a future show because I, I got to keep track of our pops and drops. Next up, let's go to the other side of the ball. You want to talk about Kool Aid now? Because I'll be honest with you, I Debo gave me so much homework. I didn't go back and watch. Uh, the, the Alabama defenders, except for the broadcast. So I, I don't have a lot to say on them. I saw the Kool-Aid play you were talking about. It wasn't really a pass breakup. It was the, I, I think Worthy was the one who dropped the ball there near the sidelines close yeah. to the end zone. But he was around the ball. I While I was watching that game early on, I was like, is Dallas Turner hurt? Because I didn't see him out there a lot. He popped later. But tell me about the uh, the defensive side of the ball. 
Yep. Uh, Kool-Aid to me was a drop this week. Okay. So uh, got beat in a a one-on-one situation by Worthy in the end zone. Uh, And then Mitchell, the young kid that I don't know why you keep bringing up and Debo keeps bringing up these guys that are not eligible for the draft. I don't know if he's eligible. Mitchell Uh, is, yeah. The wide receiver for Texas. He's eligible. He made a great catch over Kool-Aid along the sideline. Kool-Aid was in perfect position, but he has to make that play. He didn't make that play. He was okay in run support, but he has to play better. And the one question on Kool-Aid, even though he's our number one corner coming out so far, is the speed. And if he does not have a cushion, uh, does he have the speed uh, to play man coverage at the next level? But still, all the instincts and everything, I don't have a concern with. I just thought for being the number one corner that he gave up too many plays that he should have made versus Texas, those two in particular. Still a first-round pick, though. Yes. All day long. Okay. Dallas Turner, number 15, edge rusher replacing, not replacing, but now the the primary show in town that Will Anderson's made his way to Houston, Texans. Explosive, explosive, explosive. He took that your guy Sanders and just threw him out of the bar. Uh, he's very explosive out of his hips in the run game. He stood up offensive tackles all night. Uh, he didn't have the pass rush stats, um, but the one thing that really sticks out to him, he has very good first step quickness. He comes off with leverage. He'll jolt the offensive tackle back. Now I'll give Texas credit in their game plan because they always were sliding the protection to him or they had some kind of chip help trying to take him out of the game so he wouldn't wreck the game. Um, uh, I think he still needs to develop a counter once he gets the offensive tackle back on his heels. Uh, but I thought he played hard, even though the, the pass rush stats didn't show up. He still had some effect on the quarterback, but they're going to have to figure out a way if teams are going to game plan, because I don't know if they have a Will Anderson opposite of like they've had the last two years of Dallas Turner. Um, and Dallas Turner is going to get all the attention now. How do you uh, scheme him to get him a little bit freer or get him in one-on-one situations and, and pass protection? Braswell's the uh, other edge rusher, but not quite the level of – Not quite Will Anderson yet. <laughs> right. Um, at this point in the process, two weeks into the season, where does Dallas Turner rank this year compared to Will Anderson last year? Uh, well, Will Anderson was struggling a little bit last year early in the season as right. well. So um, I think he's right up there with him right now. Uh, And I really like the way he plays the run. And he is bigger. When I saw him in person this summer uh, during a scrimmage down in Alabama, he is really, he is bigger than, than what you anticipate. He is a thickly built kid through his lower, just like Will Anderson was. The last guy I do want to mention is JC Latham. I watched him at right tackle. He is a dominant run blocker. He was very good in pass pro. He got mixed up in some games. But overall, uh, he is a mountain of a man, and he creates movement at the point and dislodges people once he puts his hands on them. And if I had to rank him right now, I would put him ahead of Darnell Wright at this point seen in Tennessee. Interesting. So we talked about it during the summer scouting series where the offensive line class, at least at the top, feels deeper than the five offensive linemen went in last year's draft class. So right now, Olafashanu, Penn State, I think you and I both agree he's still number one for us. Yep. Joe Alt's number two for me out of Notre Dame. Is J.C. Latham higher than Joe Alt for you? 
Yeah, I didn't see Joe Alt. I haven't got back to done the tape yet on, on Alt yet, but he's going to be pushing for the number two offensive tackle off the board. But yeah. I like him better than I like Darnell Wright last year. Yeah, and again, credit to Darnell Wright. He moved from left tackle to right tackle. We weren't necessarily talking him up at this point in the process. He he did himself some favors with playing really well. But J.C. Latham, we've known about, and to your point, he is he looks like a, a house out there, and you have, you know you got to run around them. Quick aside, speaking of houses, Jack Conklin went down for the – unfortunately for the Browns, he's done for the season in the ACL. Dewan Jones came in, and he held his own. Yeah. yeah. Now the question is you got to keep him focused. That's it, right? Yep. Yeah, because so. he had a really good preseason. But, Debo, for the record, Kool-Aid McAllister was a drop for me this week. McKinstry. Oh, that's a wild one. <laughs> <laughs> he's yelling at me for putting qualified, eligible draft <laughs> prospects, and he's calling them Kevin McAllister. <laughs> Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. They just called him Kevin McAllister. <laughs> cool. I, I'm sorry. Debo just puts tons of homework on us. You got 150 guys you have to do every week for this. I, by the way, I'm making a note. Kevin McAllister is our new nickname for Kool Aid. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, it's disrespectful to give Home Alone a drop. Home Alone is always a pop. Yeah. Okay. Drop for Kool Aid. Drop yeah. for Rick for not knowing Kool Aid's name. Yeah. I get That's, a drop. Uh, all right. Dallas give a pop to Dallas and I'm yep. going to give a pop to JC. Perfect. All right. Love it, man. Kevin McAllister. That's an all timer. <laughs> we need a list. Debo. By the way, when we do the merchandise, we have to have, do we talk about this Debo having the names on the, on the back that, de- that Rick mispronounces? <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. All right. We're going to keep going here. No break. Cause we got a lot to get to. Oh, there's, he was getting the, the Kevin McAllister <laughs> gift ready for us. <laughs> I didn't know that was that kid's name. That makes it even worse. <laughs> All right. Oh, two. I know two actors. Who? You know, Josh Duhamel and who else? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Sylvester Stallone. Those are the only actors that I movies I watched. Well, you you played golf with Josh, and I played golf with Josh. I didn't know he was an actor. Just kidding. You didn't know when he got in the cart, or did you? No, because he was the Colonel in the Transformer guys. Interesting. I love Josh Duhamel. Handsome devil. All right, here we go. Man, Rick, I watched this guy last year, and we talked a lot about this Miami-UNC um, game a lot over the course of just talking about the players. Tyreek Stevenson didn't have a great game, as I recall. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke didn't play great in that game, as I recall. Stevenson's playing well for the Bears right now as a rookie, which is a fun story. But Tyler Van Dyke took to heart what we said, Rick, and he used it as motivation. And my man went absolutely off. Just a quick note here. He had, he's had three offensive coordinators in his three years. Had a ton of injuries last year. They showed his mom in the stands that she wears a Van Dime shirt, like dropping dimes, which I think is pretty funny. And against Texas A&M, which is a good football team, and they have some dudes on defense, he was doing just that. 21-30, 374, five touchdowns. Man, he looked clinical. Again, like yours, he does not have a great arm. He's not as athletic as yours, so take that for what it's worth. But he throws with anticipation. He was throwing guys open, threw a great deep ball. What are your concerns, if any, with the way Tyler Van Dyke um, what he did for himself on Saturday day from what I saw last Ooh, year. Yes, sir. So he was anticipating and throwing with much more confidence. He looked more poised and patient in the pocket last year. He looked like he was just waiting to get hit, <laughs> which was the case. Most of the time, uh, he's not a run threat. He's a pocket passer. Um, but the one thing that I think when I was watching him and what I noticed was, I agree, I think he has a stronger arm than you're giving him credit for. You I, might be right. I just know, look at my notes. It looked better than it did last year. 
Yeah, well, I think his arm's stronger than yours arm. So just for, yeah, okay, fair enough. So you were wrong on that. I'll take the I'll take the uh, I'll take the drop on that one. But the uh, one thing that he needs to do is he stares down his receiver still. And one time I seen him move his eyes where he was going through his progressions, looked to his left, and then came and threw a shot deep in the middle. But other than that, he seemed to really stare down his receivers. I still think he needs to use his eyes better, especially to move safeties on the back end. Yeah. And I think he needs to still get through his progressions because he has a tendency to lock on his uh, first target or his first option. And I didn't see him get through the progressions like I need to see him. But huge step from watching him last year. Let me ask you, because talking about getting through those reads, because I made this notice I was watching him. I said he didn't get through his reads often, and I thought maybe in part because read number one was either open a lot or he threw it uh, through them open. So is that a good thing or a bad thing, or do you need to see more to make sure? Yeah, teams are going to take the number one option away. It's not yeah. going to be, you know, the options were open as first. So I'm giving him credit for throwing Okay. Yeah, I'm not – Discount. I'm just saying there's going to be a point where he has to get through his progressions, and I want to see him do that consistently. Especially okay. if you're going to be a pocket passer and not be able to make plays with your legs. So he's not yet in the Quinn Ewers, Shador Sanders category, I don't think, right? No, but he, I ha- he brought himself from, as we used to say, the boneyard. Yeah. So he uh, brought himself back to life. I mean, I'm thinking early day three right now, just based on that one game. And if he continues that way, because you overdraft quarterbacks. Yeah, I think he's draftable. I didn't think he was draftable off last year's performance. Yeah. So good performance from Tyler Van Dyke. Great performance, let's be honest. Um, great win against Texas A&M. They were down early, and they came back. So credit to him for, for not panicking. Credit to that offense for not panicking. All right, let's go to Texas Tech, where my guy Bo, Bo Nix went there. Also led a comeback for the Oregon Ducks. Again, he looks like a different player than he was at Auburn. Part of that's probably different system. school. Diff- What's that? The system. Different school, different system, so on and so forth. He's older. Finished 32 of 44 for 359 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, rushed nine times for 46 yards. And they trailed 27 to 18 to start the fourth quarter. And, and he, again, the, they they had the field goals at the end, but he let them down the field. I thought he was a good athlete. He won with his with his feet a lot downfield. Uh, he can buy time behind the line of scrimmage with that athleticism. Has a pretty good arm. Uh, he throws a catchable deep ball. I thought watching him after, and I watched him after I'd watched uh, Tyler and and Quinn. Not quite as polished as a passer as those two, but the athleticism is a little better. So it's a trade off. Uh, he's older, so you know he has the experience. But I would imagine he'll continue uh, to get better. I like to see a little more accuracy. Um, on the, on the short and intermediate throws to give his receivers a chance to, to for yak, a yards after catch. But all in all, I thought it was a, a pretty good performance. Yeah, his uh, just charting him this game, and I give him credit, he's better. I'm still not uh, jumping on the Bo Nicks bandwagon yet. Although room. I think he has some it factor to him uh, because of what he did in the fourth quarter and brought them back, and he had some it factor to him last year in the, in the tapes uh, that I watched as well. But I don't think he's a very accurate quarter quarterback throwing the ball at the intermediate level yeah. and the 20 yards, especially outside the numbers. I think he has to improve there. I think most of his shots are within zero to 10 yards down the field and then lets the athleticism of his playmakers uh, add yardage to what he's throwing. 
And I don't think he's a great deep ball thrower myself. I don't okay. think. And I think he takes minimal shots down the field. Uh, my question is, can this offense and what he's running, uh, can he have that same production in an NFL-type system? Uh, my comparison to him was Josh Stidham. Okay. Wait, Jared. Jared Stidham. Or Jared Stidham, sorry. I was doing, you were talking about Josh Duhamel. One of the other notes I made, um, he takes care of the ball, but occasionally he has these turnover-worthy plays. And you don't see Shadur Sanders, for example, have many turnover-worthy plays. Ewers doesn't have many turnover-worthy plays. So that's something to take in consideration because, you know, we saw this with Zach Wilson. It will get exacerbated at the next level if you're a quote-unquote gunslinger in college and then you're just throwing interceptions left and right. Those type of throws in the NFL, they'll get eaten alive. Right. All right. So what are you giving them? Drop. Okay, you've got a drop for Bo. I'm going to give him a pop for helping that team get back. So we'll, we'll just disagree there, and that's fine. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what makes the world go round, Rick. Um, I have him as a day two guy. Is that too rich for you? Uh, he's a day three guy for me. Okay. All right. This guy ain't a day three guy. Doesn't play quarterback either. Great news, by the way. Jerzon Newton, the defensive tackle for Illinois. His nickname's Johnny, so you can just call him Johnny from now on. Oh. They went down to Kansas, and uh, they got shellacked early and then came back. Jalen Daniels is an interesting prospect that we'll get to over the course of the old pre-draft process, the quarterback there. But uh, Motor is through the roof for Newton. Uh, he, he didn't get tired as the game went on, and I'm sure that's one of the things that you're looking at when the big guys in the middle, how many plays are they out there, and in the fourth quarter are they dragging because they run up and down the field? I didn't see that for him at all. I thought his motor's through the roof. Lick Thor, uh, lick Thor half. I said thick lower half. I don't know what lick Thor means, but uh, he's thick. Plays with heavy hands. He regularly stood up the offensive lineman, and, and I thought he was in the backfield frequently, either harassing the quarterback or making plays uh, to disrupt the run game. Um, and he's a really good athlete. I thought he's pretty quick for for someone that size. I thought he had a good game. And uh, for me, he's, he's going to get drafted pretty high. Yep. He's a first rounder. I gave him a pop. And the only negative, I would agree with everything that you said. The only negative I would say is that when you give that effort that he get, gives to get to the ball on outside runs, don't miss the tackle. <laughs> he, he, he did the hard part. Yeah. He missed three tackles that trying to light him up without wrapping up. And those are the things that it, that he has to clean up, but I love his uh, leverage and strength at the point versus run. Every once in a while, he'll pop up trying to look at where the running back is. And when he does, he loses his leverage and will get turned at the point. He was a better pass rusher uh, because I think he looks quicker and more explosive even this year. Mm -hmm. Great job using his hands to prevent from getting locked on uh, when the offensive guard is punching him. Great job using his hands, and he can close to the quarterback. He has a really good burst to close to the quarterback, and he plays with a hot motor. And that was a knock on uh, Mozzie Smith last year out of Michigan. Yep. He can play, but he doesn't play with a hot motor all the time. And someone pointed out to me, well, what do you expect? They're playing 80 snaps a game. This kid plays 80 snaps a game and plays with his motor hot the whole game. Yeah, that defense was out there early and often in, in that slow start against Kansas. But uh, I agree. He was my defensive tackle one coming in. Uh, that hasn't changed. As we get through these guys, we'll see how that works out. So you already answered this tease here, Rick. Who was quarterback three for you, Shador? Is anyone going to run down Drake May? Because they almost lost you to Appalachian State. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that tape, so but no. It's 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 going to be Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then the race for number three, in my opinion, is there's a gap between the top two and then who is number three. But like I said, there is six or seven quarterbacks that are racing for that number three position. Yeah, Debo put the list together for us. So Shador is your number three. Quinn and Shador are basically three A and three B for me. And um different players clearly and we'll just see how the, the season unfolds as we get through this thing but they both had good weeks uh some other names in the mix michael Penix jr we've seen him uh his arm is still sore from all those deep balls he's thrown uh we talked about uh spencer rattler in the unc game they're playing georgia this week what that'll be a test for him um jordan travis Jaden daniels my guy riley leonard jj mccarthy at michigan joe milton at tennessee i mean the list goes on and on so we have a lot of guys to sort through all these guys are getting drafted. They come out just a matter of where. And one more thing, Rick, before we take a break. Five-star prospect. We asked for it. We got him from the, from the viewers and listeners. And the first one we're going to cover today. Remember, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll, we'll uh, you give us a oh, name. Oh, I, I misinterpreted that. What would you take that as? I took it as that he was like a five-star coming out of high school. He was a three-star, according to Debo's notes. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Yeah, he was a five-star. Who cares? Well, you did the homework, so it doesn't matter. You just got the – you just misunderstood the instructions. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a name of a player you want us to evaluate, and we'll do it. And here's our guy this week. Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma quarterback, transfer from UCF. Undersized, 5'11", 207. Um, so far this season, through two games, he's completed 78% of his throws, 484 yards, six touchdowns. You have to throw an interception. And I'm going to give you my comp first, just so it'll make you angry. When I, he's left-handed, and he has a little uh, funky throw don't motion. say Tua. Please don't say Tua. No, I'm not going to say Tua. Uh, I think you might like this one. I, when I made this comp, I felt I had a good feeling in my in my heart that you would like this. He doesn't have the, the best arm, but throws it with anticipation. Throws a good deep ball because he gets a lot of air into the ball, layers the ball to the second level. Really good athlete in space. Uh, as a passer, my comp, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, the coach? Yeah. Remember we came out? Oh, my God. I, I started taking Predigen, but I can't remember that far. It hasn't kicked in yet. <laughs> what does Predigen do? <laughs> it's supposed to help your memory. I saw it on an advertisement. Oh, okay. And as a runner, he reminded me a little bit of uh, Russ, Russ Wilson. Yeah. I could, I, I'm not going to argue that. I, oh, good. So... Uh, I think that he is athletic enough. He's small, which he's not going to get away with in the NFL. I think they run that a little bit of a gimmicky type offense too at Oklahoma where he has to get the ball out of his hands. Um, I don't know if you'd even th- think he's a little bit Stetson Benedish. If Maybe, uh, yeah. That, that would be the guy that popped into my head when I watched him a little bit. Knows how to win at the collegiate level. I don't know. And, and – Georgia's system is way different than Oklahoma's system, but veteran, and he's a kid that had all the knee injuries, right? Didn't think he was going to be able to uh, come back. Was that the kid at Central Florida that had the significant knee injury? That I don't remember because I don't think so because he didn't. Okay. I could be wrong. I'm not sure about that, but he played three years at Central Florida, and then he played. He started 12 games last year for Oklahoma when he came over, leaving there. He had 367 he had over 300 rushing yards last year, so he can run a little bit. Um, and he's got – what's he got this year? Just 35 rush yards this year, but does have a touchdown. 
but uh, I think he's probably priority free agent type. Like he's, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's draftable right now. I think he would be a priority free agent type guy. But I mean, he'll get into a camp, and it'll be up to him. But um, obviously, having a good start to the season for Oklahoma and a good game against SMU, where he threw four touchdowns and, and uh, a win last Saturday. Yep, I'd be interested to see when they get into the meat of the schedule if he can still produce the way he produced early against some lesser opponents. Yeah, in fact, last year he completed 63% of his passes, had 25 touchdowns and six interceptions. Oklahoma didn't have a great season by Oklahoma standards, um, but he's he's trying to build on those numbers this year. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We are deep into this podcast, Rick. When we get back, we're going to talk about some of these rookies, starting with the quarterbacks. All right, we're going to go through the quarterbacks first, and then we'll go through our top five rookie performancer, performancers, performances <laughs> uh, from the non-quarterback class, although quarterbacks can certainly make that list as well. And we're going to go through these quarterbacks as I rank their efforts in their debuts on Sunday. None of the rookies won. And in fact, I got a not-so-fun fact for you. The last time a rookie first overall pick, let me see, last first-round quarterback to win his first career start was Tua in week eight of 2020. And then the other crazy fact was the last number one overall pick to win his first career start. Do you know who that was? No. David Carr, 2002. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, as my mother-in-law, bless her soul, used to say. <laughs> right, absolutely. So Debo has a graphic on here. If you're listening, first-round quarterbacks are 0-10 in the first start of the last three seasons. And I think... Kyler actually tied his in his debut, so he's actually the real winner among these guys. But Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Jordan Love, all lost. Kenny Pickett lost. And these rookies that we're about to talk about did not fare any better. But I think there's some encouraging signs. My number one quarterback in terms of how I ranked the, the three rookies who started, number one, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, that I, I would agree because yeah. – the reason I would say that is because he's going to stick out more than CJ and more than Bryce because of his athleticism, because he can run around and make some unique plays with his legs. Um, and he does have a rocket for an arm. There's still Ooh. questions with his accuracy yep. and him getting through his reads, but he would stick out because he's just a superior athlete with that size. So he's going to make more splash plays that jump out at you than the other two did. Yeah, it's funny. I looked at my notes. He took some needless sacks, had too many turnover-worthy plays, need to clean that up. And I said where Bryce and CJ needed to be perfect on those field side outs, AR5 didn't need to because he threw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. So even if it was just a little bit inside to the receiver, the field side, it's still the DB, DB didn't have time to get there. Those are things that obviously want to clean up. And let me ask you about the, the way the game ended. Um, Jalen Hurts, when he runs, he, he knows to slide or get out of bounds. It feels like Anthony Richardson is, is taking the RG3 rookie season approach and just trying to run people over. Different body frames, but of course, RG3, that shortened his career. And he ended up getting his shoulder banged up late in the game. And then I think later it was diagnosed as a bone bruise. He had come back in for one more play. What do you tell How do you explain to him that he can't do that? Well, when you get your arse knocked around and take some of the hits that he's going to take, if he doesn't learn how to get down, he'll learn pretty quick. Or he's just a numbskull. So and, and he's a good kid. He's not a he's not a dumb kid. So he, no, he hopefully kid. Yeah, it, uh, it, it is. It's just in order to survive in this league as a running quarterback, you have to know when to go down and live for another battle. And you're not going to truck guys at this level. You may have been able to do that at college, but here 
they're going to light you up and you can only take so many hits. And that's the one thing that I'm sure that the coaching staff and everybody is telling him, listen, when it's over, just go down. Mm -hmm. You need to get the first down. Um, but you still don't want to take away that electric playmaking ability either. So there's a fine line. And the only way you're going to learn that is through experience. Yeah. And the, the play, the next to last running play that he had where he hurt his shoulder and came out for a minute and Gardner Minshew came in, that was Josh Allen, Jaguars edge rusher that stacked him up. Yeah. Not running through Josh Allen. He's, he's a grown ass man. So Lesson learned, but I think you have to be extremely excited if you're a Colts fan and if you're Chris Ballard and if you're Shane Steichen that, okay, it's not too big for him. No, it's not going to be too big for him because of he of his athleticism. And what he lacks is being a quarterback right now. He makes up with his unique athletic ability. Okay. Let's go to Atlanta. Bryce Young made his debut down there for the Carolina Panthers. He is number two on my list by just, and they had all these guys ranked pretty closely together. He finished 20 at 38, 146 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Both interceptions are the most unbright like interceptions you'll see. Both times, Jesse Bates, the, the center fielder slash safety, was standing in the middle of the field. For some reason, Bryce is throwing it in, but he didn't see the backside safety and just threw it right to Jesse Bates. Maybe the second interception, he thought the receiver was going to cut in front of the safety. It didn't happen, but I would imagine and I think Bryce said afterwards that he can't make those throws. I thought he threw with anticipation, which he's known to do. I thought he moved pretty well in the pocket. We, you talked about it at Alabama. Sometimes he left the pocket early. I didn't think he did that here. And um, I thought he overall, I'll, I'll give him a C plus. Yeah, no, I'd agree. The thing is that these young quarterbacks have to learn is that the throws that you were able to complete in college, you're not going to be able to complete in the NFL. So when you have a Jesse Bates, who has played a long time in the league, and has played at a very high level, and he knows how to bait the quarterback oh times, and maybe just kind of sit there and see, uh, and, and and reading the quarterback's eyes and the jump that he gets on those throws. Those that's what young quarterbacks are going to have to learn what you can get away with and what you can't get away with in this league, and. Sometimes you have to make those type of mistakes to understand uh, and to grow from uh, going forward. Here's a, I mean, Frank Reich was unconcerned with the way Bryce said he uh, performed, he said afterwards. But here are the week one starting quarterbacks under Frank Reich going back to 2018 to present day. Every year it's someone different. Andrew Luck in 2018, then Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and finally Bryce Young. So I'm sure um, the plan is to make sure this year's starting quarterback on week one is the same one for next year and the year beyond that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll t Bryce Young, knowing Bryce Young and knowing what type of character and person he is, that um, he will learn from these experiences. And I, I can almost bet that he's not going to make some of these same mistakes you're seeing early in the season, that those won't be the same mistakes that he's making at the end of the season. No, I agree. All right. Finally, CJ Stroud. And again, there wasn't a huge difference between these three quarterbacks, but uh, I ranked him for the sake of the internet. 28 to 44, 242 passing yards, didn't throw a touchdown, didn't have any turnovers either, or didn't have an interception. Uh, first player to catch his own first career completion since 1992. Uh, uh, Southern Miss. Did you go to Southern Miss? I think it was Southern Miss. Who? Uh, yeah, that one you got me on. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. Wow. Southern Miss, right? Southern Miss, yep. Yeah. Hattiesburg. 
So um, interestingly enough, Des Ritter also caught his own pass on Sunday, uh, but he's a year two quarterback. So here's the thing. CJ Stroud, I thought he looked out of sorts early, but he also wasn't playing uh, the the Falcons defense. No, and it's <laughs> a pretty good Baltimore defense. And the one thing that I really noticed, in the, they were bringing pressure from all different sides of the field. Um, and sometimes four-man rush, sometimes five-man rush. And that is hard on a young quarterback. Um, and learning what the coverages are behind those pressure packages that Baltimore was sending. Um, You've seen some of the – you've seen the iron talent. There's no question he has the ability to play in the league. But just like we talked about these other two, you're going to have to learn and grow from that experience that you just went through. Yeah, he threw his anticipation on some comebacks. I, I love that. Um, it looked like he felt comfortable just throwing slants all day long, usually to Nico, Nico Collins, just getting the ball out. I forgot to pass the first defender there. Made some anticipation throws, as I mentioned. He took a red zone sack late, and it, I think the Ravens brought five or six – and you would like to have seen him get the ball out quickly. But at that point, your head is probably swimming because these are things you have literally never seen in person, right? No, nope. and you don't see it in the preseason either. So right. the only way you learn is by going through some of these growing pains when the regular season starts and you get more experience under your belt, um, what's probably coming your way. But that so, takes time. So and if you're the uh, coaches – go ahead. Sorry, what did you say? You need to be patient with these young guys. Because All right, that's that's my next question. Yeah. If you're the GM or coaches for these three teams, you're you're satisfied with how week one went, right? Well, you're not satisfied. You lost. With your quarterback's performance. You're not satisfied, but you know that that was a great experience for them and that you know this guy is probably going to continue to grow and progress through the season. The more experiences and the more that he sees. Exactly. You're not like, oh, my God, what did we do? You feel pretty good no. about it. The long-term prospects, for sure. All right, let's talk about the top five rookies from week one of the NFL seasons. No quarterback made that list. Um, we'll see if that changes. We're going to reverse order here, and it's a it's a wild world we're living in where my number five top rookie performer for week one is B. John Robinson. But I thought we had some good performances in week one. You can disagree with my list in terms of the rankings. B. John, 10 rushes, 56 yards. He did have a receiving touchdown. His very first pass, which was basically he was sidecar to Des Ritter. It was a little forward lateral, basically. Uh, he got introduced to Brian Burns right quick when Caleb McGarry, the right tackle, decided not to block anyone. It's a rare occasion that you see Bijan get blown up, held him to the ball, but it, it was just something that that got my attention. Not quite as much as that touchdown catch he had on a little swing pass. Came in motion, went back. What? How about those moves? So uh, Frankie Louvu came out of had no chance. He was shot out of a cannon. Frankie Louvu missed him, and then he ran through two other Panthers arm tackles on his way to the end zone. Unbelievable balance off contact. Cool. Worth the number eight overall pick. Worthy, yes. So listen, we sort of compared him to Saquon. I don't know if you was Saquon your comp for him as well coming out. Uh, I think there was a lot of a lot of comparisons to Saquon, but I think this guy is a better pass catcher and going to be more impactful in the passing game. Even though Saquon is a very you know does a lot of screens and things, I think that this kid just has a little more juice, and that juice when he sees a crease. When he's running the ball from zero to 60, he is gone. And, and the problem is if you're a safety and you're, and he's got an eight yard head start and he hits full speed and he's 10 yards from you, you, you may not get a finger on him. He is so elusive. No. And the contact bound, you have to wrap him up because he stays on his feet after contact. I'm going to ask you a crazy question in terms of sheer running comparison. 
different size, different player, but he feels like he runs angry in the same way that Adrian Peterson ran angry. Is that too much? I think it's too much. He's okay. different style runners because I think even though Adrian was uh, not as elusive to stop and start, and Adrian was – it hurt defenders to hit Adrian. I mean, it actually hurt defenders to right. hit. And he wore them down as the game went along. Um, and I think Bijan is a little bit better at avoiding contact or making a sidestep, even though Adrian was great and the acceleration that Adrian had, but he was just so unique from a physical build standpoint that it was like, God, that had to hurt to hit him. (laughs) (laughs) I still have in my memory, I think I mentioned this before, but William Gay out of Louisville who played nickelback for the Steelers for a long time, really good player. I remember uh, it may have been the 09 game. He got concussed where he had the reflex where your arms go up at the time. People didn't think concussions were serious. He didn't come back in that game, but I talked to him about it afterwards. And I said, what happened there? He said, man, I just got in the way. Like, I think he just got knee in the head. And that's just to your point, everything on Adrian Peterson hurts you to touch. And yes, including a handshake. Inc- <laughs> uh, all right. Number four on my list. Again, I can't believe this guy's number four based on his rookie debut no cooper cup in los angeles for the rams matthew stafford looked revitalized the seahawks looked terrible i picked them to do better things than what we saw in their debut but our guy puka nakua out of ny uh, nyu byu excuse me my man went absolutely off 10 receptions 119 receiving yards most receiving yards in an nfl debut in rams history most receiving yards in an nfl debut by player drafted in the fifth round or later since your guy joey clink scales in 1987 so we watched his catches, and I remember looking at his um, – I went back and looked at his scouting report from over the, the draft process. Uh, we saw him at the Senior Bowl. He's a big receiver, 6'1", 200 pounds, ran in the four fives. So he's not a burner, but he played faster than he timed. The issue I had with him was the sort of um, precision route running at times, and that sort of showed up. I didn't think he was a necessarily a great route runner, but he found the holes in the zones – against the Rams, showed the ability to catch the ball away from his body. He ran through some arm tackles early. And the very last target, uh, a man stacked up Tyreek Woolen, who's a 4-2 guy, and had the throw been six inches closer, it might have been down to the one or a touchdown. So I give him credit for outrunning Tyreek Woolen uh, to the end zone uh, near the end of that game. Yeah, no, he uh, he played like a savvy veteran, especially against the zone coverage where he just knew how to get open. Uh, the the – play that probably stuck out to the media the most was the third and seven where he ran that corner route mm-hmm. in the late in the game, fourth quarter, I think, and kept the drive alive, which I thought was a critical piece to them uh, putting the finishing touches on Seattle. But uh, I still don't think he is a burner. I don't know how he's going to do in man coverage. He is tough as nails coming inside, uh, knowing he's going to make the catch and still get hit. Uh, but credit and kudos to Les Snead and that staff for at least this week. I don't think anyone anticipated him having <laughs> opening debut, but it did catch up attention not only on people in the media, but it'll catch the attention of whoever they play next, and he won't be a secret anymore. No, I thought he was going to be a day three guy. He went in the fifth round, and uh, just goes to show you, once you get drafted, it's up to you. So credit to him for having a, a huge debut. Tutu Atwell also went over 100 yards uh, in that game for the Rams. All right, let's go to Foxborough. And this guy almost made Debo cry. 
with how the Eagles played it down, down the stretch here. Christian Gonzalez is number three on my rankings this week. Seven tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss. Had a quarterback hit in a pass breakup late. Listen, it is no easy task going up against A.J. Brown, as you see here on YouTube, and Devonta Smith. And he he took some lumps, Christian Gonzalez did. But his movement skills are incredibly impressive. The athleticism, the change of direction. He is long. He's the longest cornerback on that roster by what feels like seven or eight inches. Um, came off a corner blitz, uh, off a tight split, and did something that very few people can do. He wrapped up Jalen Hurts on first contact, and he wasn't known as a tackler at Oregon. That's one of the questions we had, the physicality. I thought he showed more physicality in this game than we saw in college. And uh, he had a great pass breakup on the fourth and two late in the game that got the ball back to Mac Jones, that offense, for a chance to win. Uh, again, he took some lumps, but he also made some plays, Rick. So I, that's why I have number three. Yeah, I would say the first half he was still feeling his way. He still gives a little bit too much cushion, gave some uh, easy completions up, but he seemed to gain confidence as the uh, game went along. Great play on that slant route, breaking that slant route up. Uh, you know, you get three stats for that sack. You get a tackle for loss, you get a quarterback <laughs> hit, and you get a sack. So that ding, 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 three categories uh, when he came off the edge. Uncontested, by the way, but still did a great job wrapping up Jalen Hurts. But very good first impression. I still think he needs to be a little tighter in coverage, especially when he's off. He gave up a little bit too much cushion, but I think he improved from the first half to how he played the second half. And again, you have to feel pretty good about that, I would imagine, because he fell in the draft down to the middle of the first round, and he wasn't the first cornerback taken. He might have been, been in the third. I know that uh, Devin Witherspoon went first, and then Emmanuel Forbes went around that area as well. But he he looked the part. He looked like the guy that we saw last year, plus the physicality in the run game, I thought. Yep, yeah. All right, number two on my list. And we can't forget about this guy, even though that Thursday night game feels like it was two decades ago. Brian Branch. Somehow, second-round pick should have been a first-round pick. Three tackles and had that pick six. Now, you could say the pick six was lucky. Well, he still had to one-hand catch it and run 50 yards to the end zone, and he did that. Skill. Skill. I thought his movement skills in, in short areas is incredibly impressive. Yeah, he ran the 4-6. I don't care. He doesn't play like 4-6. Uh, he's incredibly uh, smooth in terms of change direction, whether it's east, west, north, or south. Um Wrap-up tackler in space, he is looking to run through somebody, and that's what you want to see from your your slot corner. And I had very few issues. He got few, confused a few times by Patrick Mahomes. I think the touchdown in the end zone to the to the tight end, Blake Bell, he messed up that coverage, and you could see him put his hands on his head after the play, and I think the safety uh, was saying, yo, this is your guy. But other than that, A's across the board. Yeah, no, he is a uh, man playing in the neck. And the one thing that really impressed me, he is not shy, not shy of contact. Um, and that interception that he made, that is skill to pick. Cause that ball was, uh, Kadarius Tony kind of dropped that ball, but it fluttered up into the air into some corners don't have that ball skill. Uh, you know, that they may have dropped that. Um, but he, looked natural when he went and and picked that ball up in the air. And then he wasn't four, six after he caught it and got into the end zone. <laughs> he can run. So don't that's a, this is a prime example of a very good football player that maybe some people passed on because he didn't run the 40 that you wanted and run, but he plays fast and he's physical and he's aggressive and he has ball skills. How do you feel like my list so far in terms of the rankings? You okay with it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's okay. All right. Yeah, it, no, I it, based off it, I'm not going to argue with you on anything. You can make a case either way for all these guys. All right, then. Lastly, do you agree that Jalen Carter is number one on this list? Ooh, I, uh, I think he showed the unique athletic traits that he has. Sweet mercy. Let me say this first. Cole Strange and um, Michael Owenu were out, the starting guards for New England. And you know who started? Antonio Maffi, the rookie, and City So, the rookie. And they got introduced to the NFL right quick when Jalen Carter was out there. Yeah. No, everything that we talked about, uh, you know, he was the best defensive player. If you just looked at the tape, the biggest concern was him. Does he play hard every snap, which he played hard every snap? Yes, he did. He, was he sure there. did. There's no question. And all the off-field issues that he had to, had to deal with through the pre-draft process. But on the field, if they can get the effort that they got out of him this week, uh, he's going to be a wrecking ball in the uh, in the one. He was one of my guys as a candidate for defensive rookie of the year. I said that he had to get at least – nine to 10 sacks to even be considered that, which is difficult from the defensive tackle position. But he uh, kind of put a made a statement game out there. Uh, He's got one of those sacks already. He had eight pressures, seven hurries, one sack, 25% pass rush win rate. And they line him up at zero a lot. If you're Dave Andrews, the last thing you want to see is probably Jalen Carter right over your nose, right? Yeah, and he's going to have a point to prove. And he played week one like he had a point to prove. Like all the stuff that was said about him through yep. the pre-draft process, I'm going to show you what type of football player I am. Now, will that continue? I do believe it will for through the through year one. We'll see what happens down the road. But the first impression you got against Oof. England, uh, there's no question he would have been my top guy as well. Yeah, man. Hey, one um Bears fans are already regretting trading out of that spot. I've I've seen some very unhappy Bears fans on on social media. You know, a lot of teams passing on them, but they dropped down a spot to trade with the Eagles, who who wanted to get them there at nine. Yeah, because they picked uh, Darnell Wright at ten. Is that correct? And then they came back and got Jervon Dexter in round two, the the defensive tackle out of Florida. Right, who's not the same cat as Jalen Carter. And they clearly, I mean. Unless Jalen Carter can can play quarterback, they that might That's be what's another. What's great about this is everybody can make conclusions after week one. Remember, the NFL season is not a sprint; it is a marathon. Well, someone didn't tell Jalen Carter that because he was running all over that field like his life depended on it. He he, you're right, man. He played like he was Johnny Newton out of Illinois with that motor. So credit to him for that. Um, Jahan, Jerhan. Okay, fair enough. Make it difficult on yourself, Rick. All right, shout out to other uh, to some some other guys that we were excited by the performances, but we're not going to have a chance to get to. Xavier Gibson returned the punt for the Jets to win that game. Uh, priority free agent, undrafted free agent, who was a priority before the, the draft, out of Stephen F. Austin, went to the NFL PA, PA Bowl, did not even get a combine invite. So fantastic story there. Of course, your guy Jordan Addison had that touchdown we talked about briefly. Jameer Gibbs. With Flash and the limited snaps, and, and Zay Flowers is exactly who we thought he was. He's going to be special as well. Um, I think that's it, Rick, unless you got anything else. No, that was a packed, filled show of information. It really was. So Thursday is going to be the mock draft, so I can take a little break. Devo can 
give me a rest. Sweet mercy alive. This guy uh, drives a hard bargain. But that's it. That's a wrap on episode 79. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Devo for producing. Thanks to all you guys who watched and listened and comment. We'll be back Thursday for our Mock Draft Spectacular. See you then.